Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Before we moved into the warehouse and expanded to multiple campus locations, Rolling Hills met in a movie theater. And now we're visiting the movies once again in our series, At The Movies. Whether it be a hero's journey, a villain's downfall, or a fairy tale ending, everyone loves a movie with a good story. But every good story borrows from God's story. In this series, we're looking at five different movies to see how we can find faith stories in film. Now let's tune in. <laughs> oh, Ephesians chapter four. Let's go there. Oh, man. I, the, the music of movies really does. I mean, it, as soon as it starts, there's just like, you get excited, right? Uh, it makes me want to like have a whip and uh, that's probably not a good idea. Uh, I, yeah, anyway, let's move on. Ephesians 4, uh, that's where we're at this morning. And we are, this is the end of our um, series called At The Movies. We're wrapping up this series called At The Movies. And, and as we've done just kind of every week, I know maybe some of you have been here a couple times over the past several weeks. And uh, just to make sure you know what we're doing and why we're doing this, I kind of want to make sure I review this every week. And uh, so we're, we're not a church that watches movies. We're not actually going to watch all of the Indiana Joneses uh, tonight or today. Uh, but we, we will gather in June when the new one releases. All together we'll go to the movies. Uh, I, I, I can't actually sanction that. I don't think that, uh, you know, who knows what will happen in that movie. But we, you know, if y'all want to get together at the same time, it'll be fun. Let's move on. Um, the first reason why we're doing this is, you know, we said this in the very beginning, Rolling Hills, we started in, a, in a, an apartment clubhouse, but very quickly we moved to a, a movie theater. And so five years of our life as Rolling Hills, as we celebrate this 20 years, the first five years was really in this movie theater, set up and tear down. And so just a, you know, a fun, a good time of just a nod to that, uh, that season in the Rolling Hills life. I wasn't a part of it, but I've seen great pictures of that time and heard great stories of, of that time. And, and the life of our church. And so, and really just at speaking of a good time as we've kind of gone through this, I, I would say I've, I've had a great time. These five movies that we've gone through have been fun for me just to kind of memory lane kind of things. But it's also kind of just brought me down memory lane of like all of these movies in my life that are kind of etched in my memory. Right, things that are just there. I mean, I remember first dates for two different girls uh, to Titanic um, at separate times. Uh, it was, it was great. Um, one in one town and one in another. It was, it was fun. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's cool. I didn't plan on telling you all that. The, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that's the spirit moving. That's just my uh, fact that I'm an idiot. The, um, but just all of these fun shows. Like I remember going to see Toy Story with my sister and my dad. It became kind of a, a time in our, in our lives as, as I was in college and we went to Toy Story and every Christmas we would go see a movie around, uh, around the Christmas time. And Toy Story was kind of that first one that kind of started that. So just memories going down the kind of memory lane of that. But it also brought into light a, a part of this memory bank of movies in my world that as I look back on them, there was no reason for me to be watching them at the age that I was watching them. And I've had some conversations with some of you, so I know that some of you have the same experience. Let me just give you an example. Grease. <laughs> I don't even have to say anything. Y'all know, like there was no reason. In high school, we watched that on a regular basis in the classroom. Like that, 
what were we doing? Like, who, who approved this? Teen Wolf. We tried to watch this with my kids recently. And we were like, no, no, no. Can't watch that. That was an awesome movie. What were my parents thinking letting us watch that? I brought, when I was college young adults pastor, we had a night where we had a bunch of our, one of, uh, one of our interns or residents was here. I think she was there this night. We brought them all over to our house and we watched uh, Back to the Future. And I was red with embarrassment during Back to the Future. I think this should be a part of a, a, you becoming a citizen in the United States. If you're not a citizen, you should have to watch Back to the Future. That's, a, I mean, it's a staple to our country. But I was watching, I was like, how did I watch this as a child? And it was okay. Uh, uh, Silence of the Lamb. Yeah, I was 11 years old at my friend's house down the street. Yeah, all of y'all are like, yeah, I'm still scarred. I was at my friend's house. His parents had HBO. We watched Silence of the Land. Brad was like, oh, let's watch this movie. It's a scary movie. I was like, okay. I still wake up in the middle of the night. There's no reason for me to watch that movie. This movie, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That dude stuck his hand in that guy's chest and pulled out his heart. I shouldn't have been watching this movie. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But think about <laughs> Temple of Doom is literally rated the same as Sandlot. <laughs> okay, moving on. Second reason why we do this is because Jesus taught with parables, right? He took stories and, and the, the, the time when he looked out and he saw farmers there and he used that to teach a story. And I'm not saying, certainly I'm not saying that movies are the same as the parables that Jesus taught. And we're not really teaching the story. We're not talking about the movie, right? We're talking about Ephesians chapter four. We're just using these illustrations from the movies to kind of expound on those. And so Jesus did the same thing. And we're just using the things that are available to us to, to connect and to be able to teach those and point to the gospel and, and teach about who God is. Third, uh, because God is the creator of all things. Everything is, is, it exists because of him and we were created in his image and part of his imagination. And we've said this every week, Francis Schaeffer says this, that art is a reflection of God's creativity and evidence that we were made in God's image. And so movies and books and good stories and art of all various forms in small and in big ways, sometimes not, not, not because it meant to, often unintentional, they point to Christ and his creativity and his beauty. And oftentimes in these movies that we watch, I mean, and all of, except for the alien one that was weird, right? The, all of the Indiana Joneses, they point, there's, there's aspects that talk about scriptural things, even though they kind of get them a little messed up, Right? Because you almost can't because everything was created by him. And they, they, they mimic these narratives of the Bible or biblical themes. The fourth thing is to equip us to be able to watch movies and see art and read books and see commercials and recognize those subtle and not so subtle ways that our culture is trying to influence us on what the real good life is. Because we can see in Scripture what the good life is, but our culture wants to tell us something different. And so we want to see, we want to be able to recognize when we watch movies, when we see television shows that tell us that this is what normal life is like. We're like, no, no, no. What the good life is like is found in Jesus. So we want to equip ourselves with that. And the fifth, and this is really as we celebrate the 20 years, it just gives us that reason, that, that spot to kind of recalibrate and remind ourselves of who we are and what we do. And just kind of the core tenets, the core principles of who, what the church exists for. And so we've talked about evangelism and discipleship and fellowship. We've talked about worship last week and great time together uh, being led in worship. And, and this week we're going to talk about ministry. 
And so let's get started. We'll jump into Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. If you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and uh, read along there. I think that they'll be on the screen with us here. It It says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we, re- we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for, God, I thank you for these friends that I get to, to worship with, God, to, that I get to uh, lock arms together with in the mission that you've given us and the vision that you've given us for this community as Rolling Hills in Columbia. I'm so thankful for friends and family that, uh, that, that I get to d- do this with. God, I thank you for this morning as we get to open up your word. And I thank you for the laughter that's in this room. And God, I thank you that, God, you've given us this opportunity to come together and open up your word and hear from you. And so I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we've already prayed, that, God, you would, you would move in this place in a special way. God, as, the, as the, the blind beggar called out to you, Jesus, don't pass us by. And you turned and you healed him. God, we cry out to you, don't pass us by. Would you, would you move and work in this place by the power of your spirit? God, I can proclaim your gospel and I pray that I do so clearly. But only you, Jesus, only you can transform lives. And I pray that you do so. Because that's the desire of your heart. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. If you're following along in your worship guide, the first kind of point there that we want to work through talking about ministry coming from this, uh, this passage uh, in Ephesians is this, that everyone is called to ministry. Everyone is called to ministry. And this is a quote from a, a pastor, author, theologian, a guy named Lingen Duncan. He says this, he says, The greatest gift that God gives or could give to the church beyond his death and his word, is godly men and women who are gifted to serve the church. They, that think, that just let this soak in. The greatest gift that God could give to us, to, to the world in general, right, to, to all the people on the face of the earth outside of his death, burial, resurrection, the gospel, and his word so that we could get to know him is godly men and women who are equipped by him to serve the church that are gifted by him to serve the church, to build up the church. And so literally thinking about that, that means the most important outside of Christ's death, burial, resurrection, the gospel, and his word that hopefully you you have with you either on an app or a physical Bible in your hand, outside of those two things, the person sitting next to you and you are the most important thing, the most incredible thing, the most beautiful gift that God could give to the world. And there's a lot of weight to that, right? I mean, if you really think about what, what he's given to us and, and called us to in Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, going back to verses 11. So, so Christ gave, Christ gave, himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers, verse 12, to equip the people for the works of service. And so if I'm doing my job as a pastor, if my role as, as called to be the pastor of Rolling Hills, Columbia, in this campus, if I'm doing my role as a pastor, then I'm equipping you along with the other pastors and and ministers on our staff to equipping the church for the work of the ministry. 
That's not you doing my job. It's what I'm doing is equipping you, readying you to do the work of the ministry. And so we do this together. Like this is, I equip his people and the language. I love that what we do in this passage, what he says in this passage, the language is that we're all called to ministry. The assumption is that if you've given your life to Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus, then you have a calling on your life to be a part of growing the church, to be a part of building the church, serving the church. And that's the little C, this, this body that grabs here, but also the big C, the church, the global church, to be able to serve, to use your gifts and talents and abilities and all of the things, the resources that you have to be able to serve the church. And we do that. What's incredible about it is that we do this as a partnership. And I love the language that Rolling Hills uses in our, in our membership kind of covenants, right? Is Because we, in the very beginning, we kind of shifted away from using this word membership that a lot of churches use. There's nothing wrong with using the word membership. That's just we decided, Pastor Jeff and the, the team that began Rolling Hills decided to shift away from that language because we're not a part of some exclusive club, right? We're partners in ministry, Philippians, Paul writes this. He says, I thank God, speaking to the Philippian church, I thank God every time I remember you. For, all, for in all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we're not members of some exclusive club or, or, or some country club. We're, we're partners in ministry. And if maybe you, you're like, okay, I want to know more about what you're talking about with partnership, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, once a month we have a partnership class or a next steps class. It's not, it, you don't have to be a partner to be able to go through or have to make that decision, but it kind of gives you a little bit of an understanding of what it means to become a partner of Rolling Hills. That next steps class is on, on March 19th and it's hold, held right here at the campus on Sunday mornings. I'd love for you to be, be a part of that if you've not yet taken that step to find out what it means to be a partner and a little more about Rolling Hills. But we are partners in this. And every one of us has a calling on our lives to be in the ministry, to build up the church. And so it, it, I think it's, it's said this way, and this is kind of a nuance and a different way of saying it, but, but using our language, right? It says every partner, if you, have your, if you have your worship guide, every partner is a minister and every ministry needs a partner. Every partner is a minister and every ministry needs a partner. And, and that is, I mean, incredibly true. Because there's no way that what happens in this building on a Sunday morning could happen by just me showing up here on my own. Now, if it was me and Tiffany, we probably could pull it off because she's awesome. But, and didn't she do a great job with the welcome this morning? Yeah, she rocked it. That's stepping outside of a comfort zone. So, so I mean, she's just, she just said, yes, I'll do that. But, but maybe her and I could get all this set up. But outside of that, it really does take about 40 people to pull this off on a Sunday morning. Not just the setup in here, but kids' ministry and the, our, our guest services and, and connections and all of those. It takes about 40 people on a Sunday morning to make all this happen. And so we're a partnership in ministry. We do this together. And, and for Fresh Depressions, family ministry, the band, production, and everybody's a part of Teardown. Uh, if you didn't know that, I've now deemed you as a part of Teardown. So we're all, called, we're all called to ministry. And secondly, if you're following along, we're all gifted for the ministry. 
They were all gifted for the ministry. Christ himself has laid out for prophets and apostles and teachers and evangelists and pastors to equip them for service. And so this, isn't, this, this is not the only list. There's other lists. In Romans, he tells us about all these different things, that the gifts that God's given us, prophecy. And, and, and so if you prophesy, prophesy in accordance with your faith. Serve. Uh, if it's serving, serve, uh, serve well. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. I, I love Paul's just clarity in this. Hey, if it is this thing, then do it. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then do that thing. He keeps going. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do so cheerfully. He gives us all of these. And this is not an exclusive list, right? I mean, there's other places that it kind of tells us. But to understand the uniqueness of the gift that he's given you. To know that he's given us a gift. He's, he's given us. Everyone is equipped. Everyone has a gift, is gifted for ministry. And we understand what it looks like for to have this unique gift. Because some of us, I don't know personally, like when I see somebody that is just gifted in certain things, it's like, it just, it's beautiful to watch them step into those things. Especially when I know I don't have that gift. When I walk in the back to see our kids' ministry and I see Leslie holding kids and, and she's just like, a, Leslie Crawford, she's just like a baby whisperer. Right? Babies don't calm down when they get close to me. That's not something that I exude off of my body, right? I get real tense. I get nervous. I start sweating. It's, it's, so when I see somebody that I'm like, God, God has given you a gift. When I see the gift of administration in somebody that just naturally they do things, I'm like, the fact that your brain works that way is incredible. Right? I could not do that. When I see somebody that leads a small group with ease and does such a good job, uh, it, it, there's lots of people who have done this, but Ben Cunningham, and he and his wife just recently left, but Ben Cunningham was a master at leading a small group. He was so good at it. He had no idea. It was just natural for him to lead these small groups. And I, I just, like every time we'd sit at Panera with, with all the group, I, I was just amazed at how he led the group. And some of you, I, I think about... Um, it's Ben Hedgebeth and measuring chairs in here. And I, I love, like, when the chairs are bad on Sunday mornings, you know that Ben wasn't here. I did it. Over and over, I think about all, the, all of you guys and the ways that you, that you serve and the realization that, I mean, God has graciously, uniquely given you gifts to serve. And if you're following along again, it says this, that, that your gifting or our gifting is a gracious gift from a sovereign God. It's a gracious gift from a sovereign God. And we need to move on just to, 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 to the third point, but I want you to hear this, that God in his mercy and his grace and his kindness, knowing all things, creating all things, knowing every detail about every one of us, graciously, intentionally, gave you a gift to be used to build his church. It was not by accident. And he's not by accident put you in this place to use your gift in this place. 
His gracious, it's a gracious gift from a sovereign God. He desires for you to use it. He's entrusted you with it to be used well in, in, in the service of his church, in his service, to be, to be used to glorify him and to build his church. And, and the one thing I, I just, it, it mortifies me, it, it blows my mind sometimes when we think, yeah, but I, I don't, yeah, I know I have this gift, but I just don't think I can do that. Listen, God has sufficiently given you everything that you need to use the gift that he's given you. Every aspect of what he's given you to, to use, he's, he's provided, he hasn't skimped on that. You're a child of the king. You're not a beggar. And so he's, he's given whatever that is, he's sufficient. He's supplied for you abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. And, and, in, and he's waiting for us to ask. And Second so, uh, Peter says, his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. And I think about Matthew in chapter 6 where Jesus tells, he says, the sparrow, think about the sparrow, think about the lilies of the valley, the sparrow who's provided for. He doesn't ask. The lily who's clothed beautifully, they don't ask. It's here today and gone tomorrow, but God has provided for them. How much more, Jesus says, will he give to you? The fact that we step back and we don't think that we can be used in the giftings that we have is absurd. Because God has given us everything that we need. I've wrestled with the same thing. I promise you're not alone in that. But we've got to step into those places because we know with the confidence of God that he's given us everything that we need. The third is this, that everyone, everyone's ministry has a purpose. Everyone's ministry has a purpose. Going back to Ephesians, or Ephesians 4 verse 13, it says, Until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so the first thing, the first purpose that we see in this passage is unity. The first purpose here is that Ephesians says, until we reach unity in the faith. So we reach unity in the body. So the diverse, the diverse gifting that God has given to all of us serves to bring unity in the body. Eugene Peterson, author and, and pastor, he says, that, he says that unity and faith looks like God's people moving together as one in harmony and rhythm in, one, in the same direction. Some of you have been to a symphony and you've seen how, how all of these, music, these musical instruments can sound like one clear voice. Different, different ways of playing them, different all of those different things and as one, one clear sound together. Some of y'all, I don't know what these birds are, I probably should have done my research, but if you're driving, sometimes you can see like this long line of birds and it's like one moves and it just, they all just shift. And it's like this crazy thing that probably causes wrecks on, on the road because you're just watching these birds shift. And that's what it looks, what it, I mean, it's, it's, it captures our mind because it's a picture of this beautiful thing that what happens in the body of Christ when we use our gifts the way that God has called us to use them. The body moves as one. Pastor Jason from our, our, our uh, Nolensville campus, he said this some time ago, and I just remember it as we're just kind of thinking about this Sunday and, and talking about ministry. He, says if, he, he, said it, he said, if we see division in the church or if you see division in the church and it bothers you, then maybe it's time to step into the role that you, were, that you were created for and use the gifts that God has given you to serve in that place. 
And I, I'll tell you this, and this is just a moment of honesty. I, I can tell you this, that 99% of the time, and I'm blessed. I know pastors who get lots of complaints, and they get emails all the time, and people just wearing them out all the time. That is not the case here. I don't get that a lot. Praise the Lord. We don't need to start something, so just stay where you are. <laughs> but in those events, whenever there's somebody that it does have a problem, I, I can ask two questions and really quickly, and I know the answers to them 99% of the time. Are you serving? 99% of the time they're not. And are you giving? 99% of the time they're not. You want to know why? Because people who are serving and are giving usually don't complain. They just get the work done. So if you see a problem, if you see something that's happening, hey, more than likely it's the gift that God's given you. If you're seeing it, man, I probably haven't seen it. Then step in because the gift that he's given you is probably the reason why that's there. And you would be helping make that unity happen that's a part of the body of Christ when you move on. The, the, the knowledge, the second is knowledge that leads to greater faith and deeper love for Christ. Ephesians says, until we reach the knowledge of the Son of God. And we're not talking about just academic knowledge. I love the academic knowledge. I'm thankful for smart guys and smart ladies and men and women who have gone before us that have done studies and, and, and done all those things. I'm thankful for them when I go to, to prepare that I can read what they've done because I'm not smart enough to do those things. But the reality is that the knowledge that we're talking about here is not just academic knowledge. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's the knowledge, the relational knowledge. Because there's a difference between just academic knowledge and relational knowledge. And Jesus tells us that very clearly when he talks to the Pharisees. He says, you, talking to the Pharisees, who knew all of it, right? You study scriptures diligently because you think, you think that in them you have eternal life. But these very same scriptures testify about me, but you refuse to come to me that you might have life. So it's not just knowledge, it's not just knowing things, right? There's, in, in Indiana Jones, he talks about how most of, um, most of the, his work is done in the library. And then later in the movies, he talks about really if you want to be a good, uh, a, a, what is he? I can't remember what he's called. What is he? Archaeologist. If you want to be a good archaeologist, you actually have to be in the field. And I think that's the same thing is true, right? If you just know a lot, but you've never experienced anything, right? That's not knowledge, the knowledge is experiencing Jesus, having a relationship with him. Knowledge that grows us deeper in our faith in him and our love for him. That's the kind of knowledge and that relational knowledge. And third is maturity in our walk with Christ. It says unite that, that until we reach unity in the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. And here's a question, and I've asked this before. The question here is, is are, you, are you growing or are you just getting older? Because I know plenty of people in my world that walk the aisle at VBS or walk the aisle or raise their hands at a camp or at some kind of conference when they were younger or maybe at some point in their lives. And they've gotten older since then, but they haven't actually grown in their relationship with Christ. And you look at them and you say, you say hey, listen, uh, you should be farther along than this. But you've gotten older, but you haven't actually grown. And I think some of us, we need, to, we need to actually look at our lives and recognize that, hey, listen, there, there's, when, we, when we get older but we haven't actually grown mature, there's a problem there. That kind of problem is something that you address. 
and say, I can't stay in this place anymore. Because when we, when we do that, when we use our gifts, when we, when we actually grow in our relationship with Christ, we use our gifts. And when we use our gifts, we begin to learn and to rely on him and we mature in our relationship with him. So serving, I'm not asking you to serve. I'm not saying, hey, step into these places because we just need to get work done. That's part of it. But ultimately, it's because I want you to grow in your relationship with Christ. Because it happens when we serve and increase. The fourth thing is that we increase in likeness. It kind of goes hand in hand. And attain the full, the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. It all leads to this place where we become more like Christ in our actions and our attitudes. He's lavished his love on us. He's called us his children. He's trans- and he, what he's doing is he's transforming us more and more into his likeness. And listen, when we talk about serving, again, this is, not, this is not just because we need to get things done. It's ultimately, this is one of the places that God uses. He graciously calls us to use these gifts in ministry because it's a vital part of our spiritual growth. It's a vital part of us becoming more like him. And it's an invitation to the full life that he's called us to. I mean, I, we said this last week and just kind of, hey, if you want to know what God's will is for you and, 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 you're, and I, we talked about, hey, God, God's will for you is to, to pray continually and to worship him and to give thanks. And you're saying, oh, is, is it really that easy? If I just worship, then I get to know what God's will is? Yeah, that's really kind of it. And a lot of us are really kind of in a, in a funk because we don't know where God wants us to go because we don't actually give thanks and worship and we don't recognize him as our source. And, and, and here again, it's, hey, I'm, I'm living a miserable life. And the reason why we're living a miserable life sometimes is because we're not using the gifts that he's given us. He's not trying to keep you from joy by inviting you into using the gifts he's given you. He's saying, hey, if you want to experience the full life that I've called you to, then step into these gifts. Because that's where you find it. He's not trying to hide it from us. He wants us to know it and experience it. Last thing is that everyone has a next step. That everyone has a next step. I'd say this, that, that in just a couple of, whether you're 40, whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years or for 40 minutes, every one of us has a next step in our relationship with Christ. And that next step in kind of walking out this call to ministry that we all have, this gifting that we've all received and, and the, the purpose that's there for us, that next step, is, and a lot of times, is just for us to say, if, you, if you're following along again, to say no so that you can say yes. There are so many things that crowd our world. Screwtape Letters, a great book by C.S. Lewis. He talks about the, the, the thing to do in, in order to distract this Christian. It, it, you'd have to read the book. I'm not going to spend too much time explaining. But the way that the devil does it, the way that our enemy does it, is by making us busy distracting us with loud things and, and busyness. And so if you really want to experience this fullness and take that next step in your relationship and, and understanding this service and what he's called you to, some of us are going to have to say no so that you can say yes. And the yes really, I, and I know this, this is going to come across as we're going to have to say no to really good things so that we can say yes to him using our gifts in the church. To build up his church. Second, the second thing, that the, the next step for some of us is just exploring that gift. 
exploring that gift that, you, that, that he's given you. And, and there's spiritual gift inventories. I love when I get the, the, the email that says one of you have taken those on our website. There's, there's a place you can take that website, take it on the website. And, and they're great, but they're not the only thing, right? One of the best ways to find out if you have, this spirit, if have a spiritual gift, if there's something that God's put inside you, is actually doing something. Right? And sometimes it's doing things that make you afraid. Sometimes when you step into those places that make you afraid, you find out that, man, yeah, God has really good equipment. And sometimes you're like, no, 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 no. Just put me back in the, in the baby room back there. I will quickly realize that I don't have that spiritual gift. Still, God has not supernaturally given it to me since the last time I tried that. But you just try it. Try something. Ask your friends. Listen, some of us, really, this is that moment where I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you that you're sitting next to somebody who needs you to hear from you say, hey, I see this in you. To give them that encouragement to say, I need to step out and actually try to use these gifts that God's given me. Because some of you, you, you won't step out until somebody just says, hey, I think that you could really do this. I think that you should step out and, do, and try it. And so Tiffany's coming around now. She's going to actually tap some of you on the shoulder. We're going to start. This is going to be just a round robin in the room. And the last, that we rely on the Spirit. God never said that we do this on our own. If it is a spiritual gift, then it's equipped by Him to do what He's called us to do. I don't stand up here. There's not a Sunday morning that I, that I get to come up here by God's grace, that I am not absolutely terrified when we finish the last song. I'm begging God to come back. You think I'm joking. Every Sunday morning, God, please come back. It would be better for them to see you than it would be for them to hear from me. The song ends. It's time for me to come. All right, you're not coming back, so anoint me so that I can preach your word clearly. I'm fairly good with words, so I could probably do an okay job by myself. But there's not going to be any transformation in any lives. There's not going to be anything worth having at Rolling Hills Columbia if I do this by myself. Rely on the Spirit. We put ourselves in the place to be used by Him, and He takes us and He uses us in ways that we could never have even dreamed when we rely on Him and we trust Him. And this is the last one. It says, just, just jump in. Let's jump in. Just take that next step. One of those scenes, and as the band comes up, it's one of those scenes in the, in the movie uh, that, that's just such a fun scene in, in, the, in, in The Last Crusade where Indiana Jones is going to find the Holy Grail and there's a part where it's, you know, there's this big chasm, he can't get across it. And the only way to know is to take the step. And as you take a step, the provision is there, you just can't see it. And for a lot of us, that's just where we've got to be. Where we just really just need to take that next step. We just need to stick our foot out. And y'all think I'm about to do that, right? <laughs> I'm not. There's not something right here. I would actually fall into the abyss and I would disappear. But we, we just have to take that step and trust that God, God, God is there and ready to hold us and to, and to be used, to use us for his glory and for his kingdom to be built. One of the, my, the best things about Indiana Jones is that he's just a normal guy. He's just a normal fellow. He's a professor, right? 
he bumbles things, he messes up I, my, over and over again. People ask him what he's doing and he says, I don't know, we're figuring it out. Right, I, maybe that's a t-shirt that we need for, for Rolling Hills Columbia, right? I, I, like, I don't know, I'm figuring it out. Right, we have a plan most of the time, right? That I want, we want to plan and be strategic, but the reality is sometimes we're just figuring it out and I'm inviting you to come along that journey. Let's figure it out. You don't know what you, where you fit, let's figure it out. But let's not stay on the sidelines. Let's jump in. I, I like Indiana Jones. He is, he is afraid of snakes. And that could keep him from jumping in and doing the things that, that these adventures that he goes on. But the reality is that he jumps in anyway. And he runs into things that hold him back, that could hold him back. But he, rather than letting them hold him back, he jumps in. And on your seat as you came in, most of you, I think, had a, had a card that just says, what are you holding back? What are you holding back? And so today, just for a little while, we're just gonna, we're gonna have a moment of just kind of praying and then I'm gonna just kind of explain how we're gonna do communion. But I'm gonna pray and over the next couple of minutes and then as you kind of just reflect before you go take communion, I just want you to ask the question, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from taking that next step? And maybe today is not, maybe you don't get to write it down today. That's fine. Maybe you just need to stick this in your Bible. And as you're doing your daily step this week, you open this up and, and you just may ask to ask that question, what's holding me back? But be honest. And maybe if you do figure out what it is today, then there's a basket at the back as you pick up your communion cups. And I, and I would invite you just to take that, drop that off if you're able to and just say, I'm going to leave this here and I'm going to take the, the, the bread and the juice and let this kind of be a moment for you. Say, I'm not going to let this hold me back anymore. And let's take that next step. Make a commitment. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to explain how we're going to do communion and just kind of give us some space to do that this morning. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you have loved us so clearly. God, that you have laid down your life and you've provided for your body, your church, exactly what we need. God, I pray that this morning, as we do just reflect on what might be holding us back from taking that next step with you, that God, you would open our eyes to that clearly and that you would give us the courage, equip us with not only what we need for the journey, but also part of that need is that courage to take that next step. Just one step today. So God, we thank you for what you're doing in this room and the fact that we get to be a part of it. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with movie lovers, friends, and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.